0: You hear that? That is the sound of the clock ticking for people with federal student loans. Pretty soon, we'll need to start making monthly payments again. Oh, joy. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. When the pandemic began in March 2020, student loan payments were paused and interest was waived for nearly 44 million borrowers across the country. But three years and a whole lot of extensions later, the thought of paying student loan bills again isn't sitting well with many. Today on the program, we're doing the heavy lifting and breaking down what you need to know now about paying back loans when the pause is lifted this fall. Our guests to guide us through are WBEZ higher education reporter, Lisa Phillip, and Jack Wallace, the head of government affairs and industry relations at Wirefy, a student loan refinance company based in Arizona. All right. Now, before we get into what borrowers need to know, let's just get a bit of background about what's happening. On June 30th, the Supreme Court struck down President Biden's plans to forgive about four hundred and thirty billion dollars in student loan debt for over 40 million people. So, Lisa, just remind us, what was the plan and why did the Supreme Court rule against it? So the
1: plan was to cancel ten thousand dollars of federal student loans per borrower and up to $20,000 per borrower for for those students who received Pell Grants while they were uh, completing their undergraduate education. So those Pell Grants are for students from low-income families. And basically what happened was the Supreme Court Ruled six to three that um, President Biden did not have the authority to make this change and and forgive or cancel these billions of dollars worth of student debt. Um, he had drawn on the Heroes Act, which allows the Secretary of Education, the Education Department, to waive or modify um, existing student debt, student federal student debt. But again, the Supreme Court decided that that was a no-go. And uh, so now we're in this position where a lot of students were hoping for this and they didn't get it.
0: And and Jack, of course, as we know, many people stopped making payments just in case the Supreme Court did decide to go ahead and forgive student loans. As Lisa said, that didn't happen. Were you surprised, though, by that decision?
2: Uh, I actually was not surprised. I had uh, I think on your last show, predicted that it would be a six-three-five-four decision against the Biden administration because of the issue of the Heroes Act and the fact that we had comments from former speakers of the House uh, about legislative intent, and then we had a vote in late May in the House and in the Senate that uh, passed the rule saying that you know that was not a good idea; it was not legislative intent by the Congress. Biden vetoed it, but uh, the Supreme Court decision held.
0: Yeah. Uh, So it's safe to say then, you know, so many borrowers are feeling disappointed by this decision. And maybe, you know, not just the decision itself, but the fact that their hopes were up, right? They were thinking that they would get up to $20,000, some of them, forgiven.
2: So to get to get to your point, uh, Lisa, I, I got updated numbers earlier this week. There are 36 million federal student loan borrowers that are going to go into repayment or uh, will go back into repayment nine and a half weeks from now. Mm. And another category of uh, interest is uh, about uh, 12 million of them will be making a payment for the first time because they graduated between March and May of 2020 and May of 2023.
0: Yeah, wow. Uh, so I'm wondering, I mean, as we talk about folks getting their hopes up, uh, thinking that they're going to get uh, you know, their loans forgiven, Jack, do you think the president could have avoided this? Like, is it possible to share a potential solution or, or some information without getting folks hopes
2: up? I, I personally think that the president and the administration got ahead of their skis on this one. And mm. uh, obviously, you know, the Supreme Court thought that way. The Congress, both the House and the Senate, and the Senate, it took three Democrats to come across the aisle uh, to vote against uh, loan forgiveness in that uh, legislation that they passed. So it was a bipartisan uh, effort there. So I think it could have been managed better because now you're hearing people say, hey, you told me I was going to get forgiven. Uh, And you promised me this and you promised me that. And a lot of that came out last week when the uh, Department of Education had a hearing uh, and they had about 175 organizations that either written or verbally during the testimony, you know, were on the Biden administration for promising something and now, you know, not uh, Mm -hmm. trying to fulfill it. Now, having said that, you saw the president come out that afternoon of the Supreme court decision and announced the save program as sort of a quote unquote save face for what didn't happen at the Supreme court. Right.
0: Which we'll, we'll get into that in a, in a little bit now, Lisa, I know that you talked to a number of borrowers. I mean, are these the types of things that you're hearing when you talked about their experiences? Like what, what sense did you get from them? That disappointment?
1: Yeah, definitely disappointment. Um, There were people who were more cynical and, you know, I, They had this feeling that this was going to get taken away from the get-go. But you also had folks who were like, I, you know, I really could have used this help. I applied. I was approved, you know, and I I feel like the rug has been pulled out from under me. So, yeah, I think it's a a mix of cynicism Mm -hmm. and disappointment and just also, you know, trying to navigate the restart of payments and have, you know— have some sort of plan in place to kind of manage all of this anxiety they're Mm -hmm. feeling and and confusion about their options.
0: You recently wrote a piece about what borrowers need to know uh, with these payments coming up. So one of the first things that you write about, it's called income-driven payment plans. Uh, What are those?
1: Yeah, so those are um, uh, Department of Education administered, and basically you can apply and have your payments capped at 10% of your discretionary income, and that's any earnings you have above 150% of the federal po- poverty level. Um, so you both have your payments capped at 10%. If you earn less than that level, you don't make any payments, you make zero dollar payments. And after 20 years of doing that, under the current policy, you will have the remainder of your debt canceled. So, um, you know, what I heard from advocates and experts was that people should start applying for that now and and get their paperwork in because it's very likely that folks could have some sort of relief from Mm -hmm. that. Um, Uh, So, Jack, are
0: are there, piggybacking off that, are there different kinds of income-driven repayment or IDR plans? I know you mentioned uh, save earlier, but what should we know there?
2: Well, there are and there have been for a while a number of plans uh, for uh, saving money, as as Lisa said, and cutting down your monthly payments. What the Biden administration, by introducing the save plan and modifying some of the others, is to shrink it down from eight or nine down to, you know, one or two. And, And that's a good part of what the save. So the save plan... Uh, is going to uh, replace the repay plan that's currently in effect and so for borrowers to get to Lisa's point uh, right now they need to be as I said the last time borrowers have got to be proactive and they've got to be patient because you know never before has a department had these this many number of, of borrowers go into repayment at the same time I yeah. mean, normally it's a couple of million. But now you got thirty six million going into repayment. Uh, a lot of them, as we said earlier, have never made a payment. sixty six percent of them are going back into repayment. Uh, but they need to go and make sure that and the other issue is that a number of the servicers have changed since the last time they made a payment. yeah, so 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 how need, can how can folks figure go. out
0: the best repayment plan for them? because as you as you mentioned, there's the repay, that's revised pay as you earn. Uh, pay-as-you-earn, income-based repayment, income-contingent repayment, and now you've mentioned SAVE has been introduced. That's the saving on a valuable education plan. That one replaces REPAY, which is what I just mentioned. How can I know the best one for me?
2: Well, the best way to do it is to go to studentaid.gov and go on the website. And uh, if you qualify for REPAY right now, because REPAY... Is still in effect. Sign up for that plan. Uh, while you're on that uh, website page, you know, check and see what other plans, like Public Service Forgiveness Program, that's still around and that made the news, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Where actually in Illinois, about twenty-eight thousand uh, borrowers in Illinois uh, had their loans forgiven mm-hmm. under under that program. Uh, so see. that's the best way to do it. The other thing is to make sure. know that the servicer has their up-to-date email, phone, and and mailing address, right? and that their account information at either NSLDS or FSA uh, is up-to-date.
0: So uh, folks also need to know that these uh, IDR plans that borrowers uh, currently on them need to actually recertify their income every year. Lisa, does being married change things at all? Like how does spousal income that's impact a things? That's a great
1: question, and that's something I don't know um, much about. I will. I wanted to note that, um, you know, if you're trying to figure out what, um, what kind of income-driven repayment plan you're thinking about, another way, another tool to use is on the studentaid.gov page. There's actually a student loan simulator that um, you can kind of Plug in certain numbers and figure out different plans that might work for you. Um, it oh, good. has, yeah, it has like different portals you can use if you're thinking about, like, even if you're thinking about taking on more student debt because, let's say, you're thinking about going back to school. Kind of, you can play out some scenarios there. But um, yeah, I'm curious to hear, you, you know, if if Jack knows more about how spousal income impacts things for for borrowers.
2: Change in the Save program that's going to become effective that if you have a married couple that files separately, that the spouse income uh, will not be included in the calculation. So that's one of the new plans uh, or or program aspects of the SAVE plan.
0: Yeah. And so uh, to your point earlier, I I think it might have been confusing for people, you know, seeing the stories about the Supreme Court ruling against debt forgiveness then two weeks later, they see headlines like there was a New York Times one that said, "Quote: Biden administration forgives thirty nine billion dollars in student loans for eight hundred thousand borrowers." I mean, what should they know?
1: Yeah, so um, that was announced a couple of weeks ago, and uh, basically, it was it's a government effort to fix problems that have come up in the administration of the income driven repayment plan. So. You know, after twenty to twenty-five years of making payments under those plans, you're supposed to have the remainder of your debt canceled. But the issue was that some servicers weren't appropriately keeping track of payments because that's kind of on them um, to be to be doing some of that. So they weren't necessarily counting people's payments, and they weren't um, they weren't you know keeping track of what kind of progress folks were making towards mm. cance- uh, getting the remainder of their debt canceled so this uh this you know there were there was more than a billion given to uh, student borrowers in Illinois to twenty eight thousand um, is supposed to remedy some of the problems with the administration of the income driven repayment plan. So, so uh, the Department of Education is supposed to be notifying borrowers who they figure out are eligible for this in the upcoming weeks. And I am sure some folks have probably already heard back about that. You I heard about that.
0: Well, let's jump to one of our callers. We've got Bill on the line from Hanover Park. Hi, Bill. Welcome to Reset. Thank you
3: so much. Um, you know, I was listening to your, uh, you know, your your program, and I just had to call in. Um, so yeah, so I do have uh, student loans, and I applied to have that debt canceled, and was notified that um, it was uh, like every single cent of it uh, was going to be canceled. <clears throat> and you know, for a while there. Um, you know, I, I had hope in for a, just a, like the smallest smidgen mm. of hope for, uh, in humanity uh, because, you know, I, part of this – part of the reason uh, that I can't go back to school is because I have this debt, yeah. and it will never go away, and, and you know, I – i uh actually um had a bankruptcy uh a couple years back it oh, just got boy. charged but you know that 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 will always be there and uh you know that that um you know the, the, that that uh, that debt will always be there and then you know it's curious that you're talking about the Supreme Court you know i I don't really blame the Supreme Court you know i mean obviously the 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 makeup of the court is conservative and all that but like it wasn't the Supreme Court that you know, that blocked it. It was the Republicans because they were the ones who sued um, and, you know, to block Biden. And of course, you know, we live in this in this kind of environment where any any anyone from the opposition, you know, is going to block everything.
0: Yeah. No, good. Good points there. Thank you so much for calling in, Bill. And I hear that frustration and disappointment that we talked about earlier. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Just the sense that the you know you had people I think to some extent making plans based on the fact that they were going to get this relief yeah. and again now they're they're looking at yeah. it still being there
0: right and, and Bill talks about that that domino effect right yeah right, right Jack where he says you know I I ended up having to file bankruptcy
2: right and and student loans whether they be federal or private are not dischargeable in bankruptcy so that's yeah. why his student loans are still there. One of the things I think it might be of interest to your your audience is that because you have a number of you know high priced schools out there, there is a substantial number of borrowers that have not only a federal loan, but also have a private loan. And so about four million people have got both a federal loan and a private loan. So they are gonna be in for now they've been in repayment with their private loans during the forbearance period on federal loans Mm -hmm. but they're going to be looking down the barrel nine and a half weeks from now having to make two payments and not just one and so that's why people really need to go as lisa said to those websites and do the calculation and figure out their plan today not after they get their bill which will be coming three weeks before your payment is due in october yeah
0: We've got Zach, who's been waiting. He's calling from Iowa. Hey, Zach, welcome to the show. Hey,
4: thanks for taking my call. Sure.
0: Um, sure. What are your so, thoughts?
4: You know, I, I, I've been listening more to your, uh, you know, call-ins. And, um, you know, the there's a lot to be said about what people can, can do about the government, you know, failing to live up to its promises. Uh, I think one of the best things that people can keep in mind is that, you know, there, there are opportunities out there, one of them being just going into the military. They have, like, $100,000 quick ship bonuses. Uh, they can pay off that student loan debt. If you're a VA member, uh, there are many options to uh, go back to school where they will pay it, even if you've uh, already used your, your uh, GI benefits. Uh, and so... Uh, there, there's a lot that can be done uh, if people are are willing to get on the Internet and look for options and be able to, to make the hard choice. Yeah. Uh, I realize it wasn't the government. Uh, it wasn't their fault that they got into these situations. But the, the government needs to do a better job of making sure that people are not going out there. And getting into a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt yeah. for a degree that's just not gonna be able to pay the bill.
0: Yeah, good point, Zach. Thanks for calling. Appreciate you. Again, Lisa, we're hearing, you know, some some similar sentiments there. Something folks should should also keep in mind is um whether their loan servicer changed. Right? Just so we're clear, why would your servicer change in the first place?
1: Yeah. So some servicers uh, during the pandemic, their contracts ended with the Department of Education. So people's loans were then passed off to another servicer. Um, I think by one estimate, I saw that four in 10 borrowers would have new servicers. So like these people are getting maybe communications, as in borrowers are getting communications from companies they may have never heard of. So my advice would be to head back to studentaid.gov. You're going to hear that a lot, I think, during this time. But uh, head there and you can find out who your new servicer is. And I think that's super important during this time. Figure out who that that, that company is or what that company is and make sure all of your contact information is up to date with that company and with um, studentaid.gov, your your profile there, just to make sure you're getting all of the communications, all of the info you need to know in order to set, to prepare yourself to yeah. make payments again.
0: And I know that you, you talked to a number of borrowers, including Aubrey Thalen. Now, Aubrey's a first-generation college student. Uh, she got her master's degree in public health. And she talked to you, Lisa, about her experience calling her loan servicer. And she mentioned every time that she calls She's prepared to cry because of how stressful it is. Let's listen. I have had generally not like great experiences when I call also because a lot of times it seems like they don't know what they're talking about. Like they don't understand like the nuances of the program. I'd say before 2020, when I called, they really would be like, you know, I'm not 100% sure. And they wouldn't
2: be able to give me like a clear answer on some questions
0: Jack, have you heard this same sentiment before?
2: Absolutely. In fact, you know, in 2015, about 20 percent of the loan servicers changed hands for borrowers, and they were averaging nine-hour waits, uh, which is why Reese and I are recommending that they go to the websites and do that there, because it's going to be a multiple that uh, this time around.
0: Let's hear from another caller standing by. Here's Wendy in Villa Park. Hey, Wendy. Welcome to Reset. Hey, thanks for having me. Sure. What's your question?
5: Well, I was one of those that received an email from the U.S. Department of Education July 14th um, saying the Department of Education will work with my servicer to process my forgiveness. So I because um, I have made more than 250 or 300 payments, they did keep the data um, on file, obviously. Um, but I... I've been in contact with Mark Cantrowitz, which is an expert on student financial aid. Which he's been so helpful directing me into um, consolidating my loans. Okay. And getting, I was with Navient and now I'm with Aid Advantage. Thank God. Um, I I did keep. They did keep track of my payments. Obviously, I'm still nervous um, hmm. <laughs> because what's previously happened. Um, but he has definitely guided me to the right place as far as having my loans um, under the government. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, like, what are the chances of this? Um, and Marx had told me that since it was passed by Congress already that this is pretty much a go.
0: Yeah. Great question, Wendy. Lisa, you're nodding your head here. Do you have thoughts?
1: I mean, from my understanding, because this as Wendy mentioned, this was already, uh, you know, a, pr- a, a policy practice that the Department of Ed has had for many years, right, that that under the income-driven repayment plans, if you're making payments for 20 to 25 years, that you will have the remainder of your debt canceled. And this, um, this cancellation that Wendy was notified that she's receiving is... Because of that program that's already in place. Yeah. So I don't, I don't foresee challenges to it, but, you know, I understand her anxiety at the same time. And that's, you know, something I've heard from many borrowers is, like, I know I'm doing – I'm taking the right steps and I should receive relief for XYZ mm-hmm. program, but I don't really trust it. I can't right? relax. Yeah, yeah, I can't relax. I can't sit back and expect this to happen because it might not. Yeah. <laughs> Anything to
2: add there, Jack? Now, one of the things, those programs are rooted in the Higher Education Act of 65 as amended. So there is a congressional foundation for those programs, and that is the program that her uh, forgiveness is going to be based upon, and it should not be legally challenged.
0: I want to keep talking about options for borrowers, Lisa, one of those being public service loan forgiveness, or PSLF, who's eligible for that, Jack?
2: Uh, those are people that uh, have worked for nonprofits or are teachers or uh, first responders, policemen, nurses, you know, that, and, and as I said, work for nonprofits. I see. And have made on-time payments, continue to make on-time payments, and then after a period of time, those loans will be forgiven.
0: Yeah, so that's still available. What does the application process look like? Lisa, for a a PSLF.
1: Yeah, so that's another one. You can go to com.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What what was the website again? I don't think we got it.
1: (laughs) But yeah, you can head there and apply. But the thing with that is that you have to submit um, a form, paperwork every year, because that's how the Department of Ed makes sure that your employment counts, um, you know, if you're working for a nonprofit or a government agency, mm-hmm. and also that the payments or uh, whatever kind of payments you're making, even if you're on income-driven repayment, to make sure those are counted towards your 10 years of payment in order to receive cancellation under that program.
0: Yeah. If, if um, For these programs that we're talking about that require these applications, is there a point when it's too late? To apply. That's
1: a really good question. Not that I know of, but Jack,
0: I don't know if you
1: know. Uh, Is it ever too late?
2: uh, I would do it sooner than later because we don't know if, you know, programs are, you know, since programs are being modified Mm -hmm. by the Biden administration. uh, So I'd go and do it today.
0: Let's hear from another caller. Here's Kathy in Arlington Heights, who's got a question.
5: Hey, Kathy. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, I have two children
3: that are on income-based uh, repayment plans. And what happens if you are on a zero repayment because of um, your income, which is, is has happened, and also with the—and um, that's for the federal ones, but also with the— uh, The private ones, Mm -hmm. um, there's all, you know, um, yeah. also, I'm concerned about um, compounding interest on yeah. on these loans, even though nothing's been
1: paid, because, I mean, they've qualified for that.
0: Yeah, it's a good, good question. Um, what are your thoughts there?
1: Yeah, as Lisa? far as I know, um, even if you're making zero dollar payments under the income driven repayment plan, you are those still count towards. Your eventual cancellation. So um, that and that, again, that's I know that um, she mentioned that her her kids also have private loans. That's just for federal loans. But um, yeah, even if you're making zero dollar payments, those should still count towards your uh, your progress in in reaching cancellation.
0: Let's hear from Sylvia, who's calling in the South suburbs. Hi, Sylvia.
6: Hi, thank you guys so much. This is a very interesting topic, and I definitely appreciate you guys for taking my call. Sure. Um, you actually answered some of the questions, and thank you to Lisa and Jack. Um, as I was listening in regards to the uh, public service loan, um, I forget what the last S stands for. Yes. But I've been uh, teaching for many, many, many years, and I've been on the income-based payment schedule. Um, I'm just also. In agreement with some of the other sentiments, of course, I'm disappointed with the ruling, but I do have a sense of responsibility on my part and just wanted to, as you guys have already mentioned, be more proactive in this process of paying back whatever it is that I'm supposed to be paying. Um, I understand that you guys have sp- spoken a lot about uh, the fact that the Department of Education is um, uh, responsible, basically, for a lot of the uh, changes that are happening now with some of the services. Right. Um, so one of my questions was, as an older borrower, like from the 90s, who do I reach out to first? You mentioned go to gov many, many times, which is great. But is it possible for me to become proactive in yeah. a way of reaching out to the Department of Education?
0: Yeah, let me get, let me have one of these folks answer that question for you. Good question, Sylvia. What do you think, Jack? Where can she go?
2: Yeah, no, I, you, you don't want to talk to any—well— you want to go to studentaid.gov. Uh, you want to go to nslds.gov and make sure everything you need is is there. Uh, getting a hold of the department is going to be almost impossible. Getting a hold of your servicer is going to be almost impossible. So if you can do this electronically, the fact that you've been doing what you've been doing is, is great. and um, Yeah. Just keep doing what you're doing. You're 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 one of the few, I will tell you, based upon the thousands
0: oh, super proactive of people that yeah.
2: Lisa and I have talked to that's being proactive. And uh, just keep doing what you're doing.
0: Yeah. Uh, almost out of time, Lisa, but leave us with some some final thoughts for listeners.
2: Yeah. So I think, again,
1: heading to studentaid.gov, figuring out who your server, servicer is, mm-hmm. making sure you're applying for the programs. Even if you don't think you might be eligible, I'd say go ahead and apply because being um, on something like the income-driven repayment program will – could really lower your payments and make it, you know, a a big difference, a manageable payment or even a zero dollar payment and eventually get you cancellation as well. I mean, if it's under the new rules that that Biden has proposed, you'd get cancellation in 10 years. Right. Um, So I I would just be proactive, like Jag said, and and check out your resources. Also check out um,
0: there's like advocacy groups out there. This episode of Reset was produced by Micah Yason, and it was edited by Dan Tucker and Ethan Schwab. Every day on Reset, we talk about news you can use, from paying back your student loans to things around town this summer. So if you enjoyed conversations like this, don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss another one. That's it for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk soon.